my name is Tim, and uh, if I've not met you, as I said, De Devin is uh, here as well, and our five children, we have the privilege of leading this wonderful church forward uh, as, um, as a community. There is so much on our heart. We are grateful for what God is doing. This is the theme this morning, uh, thanksgiving, gratitude, a heart towards the things that matter most in the sight of our Lord and Savior. We know that if you're here today, it's not by accident. You were invited. Maybe you were dragged here. Maybe you are uh, uncomfortable in this seat as we speak, but I pray that as the minutes move forward, that um, the simplicity of the message of Jesus will resonate in your heart. And you're here live in this room or you're watching online, so many of you as well. Uh, we are thankful that the doors are open. Who's grateful for that? Uh, we're not all online week after week, but we have an audience that is so valuable to us as a family that watches online. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you, whether you're watching live right now or later today or this weekend. The theme will continue, Nadia, as uh, I move into my thoughts for part four of our series, Living the Gospel. I want to give a shout out to my pumpkin pie sports jacket here. I wore it special for today. I didn't even realize it until I got here that it looks like pumpkin pie. But what a beautiful uh, day. We've got pumpkin pie waiting for all of you after service. Maybe you don't like it. Uh, just humor us and take a piece with you. Or you can have it in the lobby uh, with some whipped cream and some fresh coffee uh, before turkey dinner. So you can do pumpkin, turkey, and then pumpkin again later today. Who's in favor of that? Thank you, Michael. Uh, speaking of Michael, I want to just say thank you for your investment into the church last weekend. Uh, we were in Vancouver participating in a celebration of life uh, for Grandma, who is Devin's grandma, um, Sue, who is my mother-in-law, her mom, and it was a beautiful time. So we've been together a lot the last two weekends, and uh, I'd say it's going quite well. Hey? And uh, I don't know where my in-laws are. I'm sure, are they in, where are they in the room here? Do I see them? They might be out with, uh, with the grandkids. Um, well, I love you. If you're not here, you're in trouble. So, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's been beautiful, and I, as I said, I do want to spend a few minutes with uh, you and celebrating this idea of gratitude. Um, this is my, one of my most favorite times of year, and the reason is is because there's a simplicity to it. Obviously, Christmas is, is number one uh, in my heart, but with Christmas comes a lot of expectation. Who agrees? But there's something about Thanksgiving where just kind of you can just enjoy it without expectation. Uh, you can be present with family and not worry about all the other extracurriculars uh, that uh, are involved with making those moments great for family and your children and all extended. It is this Thanksgiving weekend that we can just really enjoy each other, enjoy God's goodness enjoy, uh, despite what we are experiencing, that, that uh, there's a confidence in so many of our hearts that, that He is in control, and uh, we are not allowing the circumstances of life that surround us to dictate how we feel. 
Uh, that's the posture I'm taking over these months. As you've heard from this uh, stage many times in my heart, I do believe that the Lord wants to deposit a few things into, into each of us this morning. And I'm going to go there. Uh, there might be a little bit of uh, moments of, of, of connection to uh, shifting your thinking. There might be moments where the Lord reveals to your heart uh, areas that you've had questions about. That is my prayer as I've been preparing these last uh, few weeks for today. Um, I mentioned the uncomplicated simplicity of this season. It's very important. And like all of us, I've been thinking about gratitude. And much of life, much of the parts of life that I take for granted, and as I watched my house full of people over the last few days, I, I, I caught myself just staring at my children and my nephews, and my heart just welled up with, with thanks for their health, for their, their, the thriving of, of life that they are working uh, towards, uh, the wrestle of preteen life, who's with me on that, unpredictable 12-year-old females, let me tell you, <laughs> love you, Pace. Uh, it, is, it is a delight when you actually stop and, and, and pause and just, and just recognize how beautiful it is to be surrounded by loved ones. And in light of this, my thoughts have moved me towards this promise that we discover in Scripture. It's a, it's a promise that really says very clearly that gratitude is the antidote to anxiety. Gratitude. There's this spirit of fear that has been very prevalent the last couple years that has moved me towards this promise of that gratitude is the antidote of anxiety. It's wreaking havoc all over our world. How do we combat this? How, how do we not let this overwhelm us? How do we live in, in the peace of Christ? Anyone asking those questions? I certainly have been. There is, there's just one answer to that. There's not, excuse me, there's not just one answer, but one that definitely jumps out in such a time of year like this. It's the idea of gratitude. How is anxiety connected to gratitude? We all live in a balance between structure and spontaneity or chaos and order. Depending on your personality, you, you see it through a different lens. But the reality is we all live in it. And when chaos hits, it's really human nature to move towards order, towards almost a, a rule of life. And I'm sure we can all relate over this last year and a half to two years. We've been finding ways to, to discover uh, peace and to align our hearts with the things that can help us sleep at night and help us get past the grief of loss and working through things that have hurt us in the past. You and I are not immune to this. And the first one, really, who coined this language and popularized the idea of rule of life was actually, as I did some research, St. Benedict in the 6th, 6th century. He lived in Italy during a time when the Roman Empire was falling apart. And the world as a whole was in 
total chaos. It was really a failed state. His pastoral impulse in that time, which I believe was led by the Spirit, was to create a simple order that was a center of calm and stability in really a social world of chaos that was all around. And we looked at that, but then I started to dig into, into Scripture. And there's this rule of life idea that actually goes back to a pre-Jesus era into the Old Testament in that theology of, uh, of the Old Testament where this rule of life is actually found in the story of Daniel. Anyone know the story of Daniel? Many of us do, of course. I bring it up briefly to remind us that he was, there was great exile in Babylon at the time during those days. In chapter 6 of Daniel, we, we see him contending for the deep convictions of his heart. Anybody doing that lately? Certainly we did this Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday, our worship and prayer night. It was those moments that he was made aware of the plot against him, and his life was mostly potentially about to end. It was, all things were leading towards that. And we read this. Now, guys, I have to apologize. My slides are a little bit not in order because I changed things around, so come, come with me on this journey, okay? Daniel 6. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Church, three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed. He was giving thanks to God. It was not a prayer of lament, although that would have been appropriate, a prayer of pity, a prayer of God, where are you? And maybe that was in there, but his posture was towards gratitude. His posture to, was towards the Lord with trust. It was a prayer that was fighting against anxiety with gratitude. We see here that prayer and thanksgiving is a form of worship. And the Bible is loaded with thanksgiving which enables you and I, our participation, as we position ourselves, which we've been doing, to pursue relationship with God. It takes work. It takes investment. It takes intentionality. And the New Testament speaks so much about thankfulness. Giving thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians says, in Colossians, our lives ought to overflow with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, very famous. Our prayers and petitions should be framed with thanksgiving. But then throw the last 19 months into the mix. 18, 19, 20 months plus of struggle. Disappointment, grief, loss, loneliness, exhaustion, and whatever else you want to add to your personal list, because some of those lists are quite lengthy. It can be super hard to feel thankful, but maybe that's just it. Maybe the practice of offering thanksgiving enables our feelings to come to a healthier place. Maybe that's just it. A dear friend of mine, a pastor in the city, Joyce, some of you know her from Epic Church. 
she shared some thoughts about this. And one thing very much um, grabbed my heart. She said, the spiritual practice of giving thanks as part of our life of worship is what enables peace, contentment, and dare I say joy in our lives. And then we see from the Apostle Paul and, and his impulses. He's, in his letter to the Colossian church, in chapter 3, he, he talks about this, this invitation to humanity, a gratitude as a mechanism to receive the peace of God. Let's read this together in Colossians chapter 3. He tethers peace and worship and thanksgiving in this way. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There's so much political swirl, the polarizing dialogue that is happening all around us today. I'm sure we are all impacted by this particular passage more than usual. I encourage you to study it, read it this week, allow the Lord to speak to you through these words. But there's these areas. Let the peace of Jesus rule your heart. You are one body called to peace. And then right up against that mandate for followers of Jesus, there's this peace-living phrase, be thankful. Be thankful. I heard uh, a love exhortation a couple weeks back that really impacted me. And I cannot stop thinking about it. I want to read it to you. It's very simple, but there's one phrase in here that jumps out, and I believe it's where the Lord wanted to land us today. I didn't write it on the screen there, but have a listen. It's love your friends, love your family, love your brothers, love your sisters, love your neighbors, love the unloved, love the beloved, love the injured, love the dead with honor. Love the deceived, love the poor, love God. This was from a 10-year-old boy who had this prophetic message that he shared with his family this, this past summer, and it's been resonating in my heart. But there's this one line in this exhortation that is that has really troubled me in terms of the wrestle that it's created. It's that one line that says, love the deceived. With the myriad of challenges, it's clear that frustration, anger, and judgment are on the rise. It's not just out there somewhere or on social media. It's actually in me too. And it's in you. All of us. I want to tell people what I really think about their opinions. 
or their lack of critical thinking or due diligence or their lack of absence of wisdom and a bunch of other things. I do really want to tell them about it. Anyone relate? I've had unkind thoughts more than a few times this year. And I say that jokingly, obviously, that's true. But it seems to have ramped up lately. Unkind thoughts towards narrative that I'm hearing and experiencing. And then I hear this refrain, I hear this message from the Holy Spirit. Love the deceived. And it stops me in my tracks, and I hope it does you as well. What does that mean for the people I think are wrong? Church, who do you think is wrong? Maybe it's me that you think is wrong. Maybe it's your neighbor or a colleague or someone in your extended family. That's not personal to my extended family, of course. It could be about COVID or this mayoral election that's right around the corner in Calgary. It could be about Jason Kenney or about Justin Trudeau, about vaccinations, or three dozen other things swirling in our narrative all around us. I just thought I'd say it straight up today because it's true. What is your response to them? The one you think is wrong or is deceived. We know scripture teaches us to give grace to others and following Jesus means we're always going to have to lean towards the one who is weaker. That's the posture. But the upending part in all of this, because you know there's a twist to what I'm saying, is that we're always going to think that's someone else that's deceived. My compassion increases that the moment I have this refrain or this revelation realizing that it might be me that's the weaker, thinking that they're the weaker. It might be me that's wrong or deceived, thinking that they're the ones who are wrong or deceived. Are you with me, church? This is so important that we capture this this morning. It calls me to a place of humility, and I find myself leaning into the Holy Spirit to find out what he means when he says, when he says, exhort, and exhort me to love them. That's, that's the peace that I can't, that doesn't leave my heart. How exactly do we do this? Do I need to speak truth and love, or be generous in some way, or pray, pray blessing over them as an act of love? There's many, many different ways that the Spirit of God will lead us to the way of Christ. If we invite him in, he will do so. I believe that. And this is where I'm trying to frame my thanksgiving this weekend over these days. That I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who in a moment can get at the brokenness in me through the words he gives to this young child just a, a month ago. Because as I hold up that torch of that I'm right and that my convictions are accurate and that my 
the way I see it is truth. Very clearly, the Lord says, pause and put yourself into their shoes. And very quickly, compassion comes flooding into my heart. As we try so very hard as humanity right now to find common ground. It talks about in that passage where worship and gratitude and unity and peace, worship, gratitude, unity, peace, worship, gratitude, unity, peace. It's, that's the rhythm. The way of living and being as God's people that Paul identifies in this text that is, that is what he has called us to embody. The spiritual practice of thanksgiving, speaking it out, is what will enable the fruit of the Spirit to flourish among us as individuals and as a community. I want to invite you and I to lean into something meaningful, praying real prayers of gratitude, not just God bless this food in a few hours from now, but taking stock of the goodness of your life and stopping to truly and wholeheartedly thank God for his goodness. And we started to do that this morning. Thank you, Nadia. Like, this is very important. Open your mouth and worship the Lord with your voice into a meaningful practice of gratitude. And finding this place and living in this peace, it starts by deciding that we are going to be the most grateful people on the planet. Are you with me, church? I'm going to go back to Philippians 4. I mentioned it briefly earlier. It says this, 4 verse 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is really anxiety, peace, and gratitude all put together into one, where we choose this attitude and a discipline of gratitude that will rescue us from these places and I think will help us be more content, more generous, and more peace-filled people. We need to choose to think on the many, 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 many things that are excellent and praiseworthy in our life. The more thankful that we are and the better we get at having a habit of rejoicing, I believe, the easier this way of thinking becomes and the more we will experience the guarding peace of God in our every day. This is the quote that I summed this up with this morning from one of my favorites, John Mark Comer, pastor in the States in Portland. He says, how is gratitude an antidote for anxiety? Listen to this. Anxiety is grasping for control of what you do not have in the future. Gratitude is giving thanks for what we do have in the present. Wow. We must let go of outcomes. 
these ideas that we think should happen. We are not in control of what happens tomorrow or the next day or the next. And I can't remember a time in my life that has felt more uncertain about the future than I do now. How long is this going to last? Now I say that with a smile because I'm full of hope, but man, I have no idea what next month and six months is going to look like. None of us do. All we know is that here we are today, church, and you know what? We're okay, right? We are okay. We're safe in the kingdom of Jesus. Even if our bodies at times don't feel safe from disease and sickness and challenge and mental health that is wreaking havoc, even though that's real, our spirit is safe in this Trinitarian community of love. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have to let go of the illusion of control. Easier for some than others. Over what happens tomorrow or the next day. And one of the best ways to do that is to come back to the here and now through gratitude for today. That's, that is the Lord's desire for all of us as followers of Jesus. John, I want to invite you back up. Thank you. I just want to lead us for a minute or so in, in a little exercise of posture. It's always better with a little acoustic in the background. Helps us stay focused. I literally invite you just to, to ground yourself in this moment where you put your feet flat on the ground and just feel the stability of earth, the earth beneath you. Just humor me. It's there. Just close, let's close our eyes all across this room. encourage you just to take a moment as we've already been doing throughout this time together a moment to offer to God a few things that you're grateful for to offer your gratitude to God just begin to thank him for the things that bring life for the things that we take for granted for the things that we've allowed the outside world to distract us from. Just take that moment, that sweet moment in the presence of God. Lord, I pray that even across this room and everyone online today, that you, Holy Spirit, would just begin to speak truth into each one's heart. Remind us, Lord, open up that well. Open up that well. 
encouragement. We center our thoughts towards you, Lord. And God, today, I come against the spirit of fear. Lord, if, there, if this is one's reality right now in this room or watching, I come against it in the name of Jesus. Enemy, get your hands off our community. You are not welcome here. Lord, I pray that you would flood into this place, into the hearts and the minds and the thoughts of those who surround. Would you replace fear with hope? Would you replace fear with gratitude? Would you replace fear with a perspective that's eternal? God, we love you. God, we thank you that we aren't going to go hungry today. I'm thankful that we have a community around us. Lord, we receive you as our greatest gift this morning. Let the peace of God dwell in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts today. Would we experience that in the most profound way today? In Jesus' name. as we see all through Scripture, Lord, through the Apostle Paul, would faith, hope, and love remain as our motivation? God, I ask that you would shift our thinking, shift us towards a posture that sees the one beside us with compassion, not looking for a result to be right or to be heard or to prove a point, but, Lord, with the result of sincere desire to know the person, to understand where they come from, to connect with them at a level where trust can be built, where understanding can, can start to take place between one another or two parties of people, Lord. And most importantly, where we can actually learn from each other. Because God, I believe it starts with the body of Christ. And where unity would be our driving force. God, I thank you for these things and I thank you that you are with us. And as I do often, I pray just a hedge of protection around each and every one as we transition this morning. Would not one leave here feeling discouraged, but would they be reminded that you are there. You are present. And you are ordering our steps every single day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.
we love you. I promised the team I'd give an extra few minutes for pumpkin pie, and I did it. <laughs> Are you proud of me? <laughs> Let's go out and uh, enjoy a little bit together out in the lobby this afternoon as you meet with family and connect with those that you love. May you be encouraged by this time we've had together today. God bless you, church.